Hello, everyone. I'm Steve Anderson, author of The Bezos Letters, uh, 14 Principles to Grow Your Business Like Amazon. And this is my uh, third show uh, talking about the ideas and principles that I've laid out in the book. In our first show, I kind of gave a background of where the idea for the book came from and a little bit of how the book developed and, and some of the publishing part of that. In the second show, I did an overview of the four cycles and the 14 principles contained in those four different cycles. What I'm going to do today is focus on cycle number one called test. Now, remember, the cycles are test, build, accelerate and scale. And on subsequent shows, I'm going to go into the other cycles. But today, I'm going to focus on test. And the idea here is that Amazon certainly, but I believe every business is always testing different things about their business. You're testing new product ideas, new platforms, maybe new ways to engage with customers. And so testing is really important. Now, when you're first starting out, you know, you're testing, is this even a viable idea or product or service? But as your business matures, gets older, gets bigger, you will continue to test. And that's why I think these principles apply regardless of, of your size, be a startup business or one that's been around for a while. So what does test mean? Well, at Amazon, testing is a way of life. Uh, and, and it really does mean creating a culture that encourages all team members to try new things and improve the way Amazon does business, the way they engage with their customers. And what's important in the test cycle, and again, important mindset at Amazon, is that if it doesn't work, employees aren't punished. Uh, and we'll talk more about that when we get into some of the particular principles. But when it does, when you get those glimmers of hope, oh, I think this might be a good idea, and, and it has big potential at Amazon, Amazon bets big on those. And again, that's principle number two. And they give tools uh, to employees that allow them to be inventive at every level. But testing, by definition, requires risking failure, right? Because if you're testing something, you don't know if it's going to work. And it probably won't work more than it does work. So testing makes Amazon an extremely creative and agile organization. I think we've seen that here over the last 26 years. So that's kind of the overall idea of the test cycle. Let's now talk about each one of the principles. Well, and the first one is encourage successful failure, principle number one. And, and I, I get lots of kind of comments and questions when I talk to people about this principle because you don't normally think about the word success and failure being side by side, but it absolutely is a requirement if you're going to be inventive. And you're going to hear me say some of these terms over again because I actually want to change the conversation. I'll talk more about that a little bit later. But in this case, encourage successful failure. So where'd that idea come from? 
Well, it certainly came from Jeff Bezos' letters to shareholders, and he talks about failure uh, a lot. And actually, it, let me, I'm going to quote a little bit out of the 2013 letter where he says, and I am quoting here, failure comes part and parcel with invention. So again, we're connecting success, failure, and invention together. And he goes on to say, it's not optional, meaning failure. We understand that and believe in failing early and iterating until we get it right. When this process works, it means our failures are relatively small in size. And he has this quote or this uh, parentheses, most experiments can start small, right? You start small, you test out the idea, and you build and expand from there. And when we hit on something that is really working for customers, we double down on it with hopes to turn it into an even bigger success. However, it's not always as clean as that. Inventing is messy. And, and I want you to think about that. Inventing is messy. Creating something new for the customers, inventing on, the, on behalf of customers is messy. It's not a process and a procedure that you can just do and repeat all the time. It's messy. And over time, it's certain that we'll fail at some big bets too. So let me give you a little background on where this phrase, at least for me, came from, successful failure. And in, in the, this principle, I talk a lot about the Apollo space program. So it's unlikely you remember um, uh, January 27th, 1967, uh, what you were doing. That was a Friday. And that morning, three astronauts climbed into the gantry elevator and rode to the top of a Saturn V rocket with the brand new Apollo 1 capsule on it. They were scheduled to launch in about two weeks on the first Apollo mission testing out this idea of not one like Mercury or two like Gemini, but three astronauts being able to be sent into space. Well, they were doing a full dress rehearsal for launch. And during that dress rehearsal, a spark in the cabin ignited the 100% oxygen atmosphere. And within a couple of minutes, all three astronauts were lost. Well, that was a failure that shook NASA to its core. Um, they didn't do another space launch for about 20 months. They completely redesigned the Apollo capsule so that there was a quick way to open the hatch for them to get out if they needed to. That was one of the problems in Apollo 1. Fast forward, NASA completely rethought what they were doing and how they were doing it. And, and it really did shake them to their core. But it also set up the mindset process that they were able to use a few years later in um, April of 
1971 when Apollo 13. Now remember, we had Apollo 11 landed on the moon in uh, July 1969, meeting the goal set by President Kennedy to put a man on the moon before the end of the decade. And we accomplished that. We sent Apollo 12 back and then Apollo 13 was the third mission to the moon. Well, if you remember Ron Howard's movie, right, Apollo 13, an excellent movie, by the way, and actually fairly accurate uh, um, movie about what took place. There was an explosion in the service model 56 hours into that mission <clears throat> that completely crippled the service module and the Apollo capsule and the limb that was going to set them down on the moon. I won't go through the long story of all that happened, but the at the end of that movie, Tom Hanks, who plays Jim Lovell, the commander of that mission, is stepping off the helicopter after the three astronauts got plucked out of the ocean onto the deck of the Iwo Jima aircraft carrier. And narrating in the background, he's saying, our mission became known as NASA's most successful failure. And obviously that made an impression on me. And as I was examining this idea of testing, experimenting, failure, it just resonated with me that that's what Amazon does. They encourage successful failure. Now, I always have to pause and make sure you understand, encouraging successful failure does not mean stupid things. Bezos in an interview described acceptable failure and unacceptable failure. Acceptable failure is an experiment. You've thought through all the implications. You've looked at how to mitigate problems that might arise and something still doesn't work. That happens to us all the time. Unacceptable failure and the example he gives is fulfillment centers, right? The big warehouses where your stuff is shipped out. He says, we know how to build a fulfillment center. We've done a lot of them and we've learned a lot over time. So if we build a fulfillment center and it doesn't work right, that is not acceptable. That is an operational failure that we do not celebrate. So there is a distinction there. The phrase I like to use is that Amazon has an intolerance for incompetence, but incompetence doesn't mean you can't fail. And so again, as businesses looking at how do we move forward, thinking about successful failure, I think is key. I have a business colleague that I actually quoted in the book and he said it this way. He said, people aren't afraid of failure. They may not like it. I don't like failure, but I'm not afraid of failure. What I'm afraid of is the consequences of failure. Meaning, do I get a pink slip because I'm fired? Do I, you know, get uh, my career is damaged, right? All of those um, resulting implications of failure as opposed to celebrating the fact that you tried something new and you learned from it. So again, failure comes part and parcel with invention. Now, let me give you, again, one example, and we'll move on to the next principle. How has Amazon failed? 
Well, actually, a lot. I'm just going to give you one. I consider it its biggest failure. That may or may not be true, or they may or may not think of it that way. But in 2014, Jeff Bezos got on a stage and announced that Amazon was building and making available a mobile phone called the Fire Phone. Well, if you remember 2014, we have had the iPhone for seven years. The Android phones were already in place. Who needed another phone? And this phone was specifically designed to make shopping on Amazon easier for the user. A great goal, but am I going to change my phone and the ecosystem that I use and the apps to be able to shop easier on Amazon? No. And at one point, Amazon had that phone available for sale for 99 cents. They couldn't give it away. And so at the end of 2014, they actually wrote off $178 million in inventory and development costs because they, they fired right, the project. They did not move forward with it. That's the failure. Where's the success? Four months after Bezos announced the Fire Phone, the hardware team called Lab 126 demonstrated to Jeff Bezos this new device they had come up with that's a cylinder that sits on a table and you can talk to and it will answer you. You can ask it a question and it answers you. You see, what they learned about voice processing and how audio and voice works with the phone, they were able to translate and use that in what we would come to know as the Amazon Echo and Alexa, the machine learning software that makes that device actually work. So failure, absolutely. I think we'd have to agree that Alexa and the Echo system have been a pretty good success for Amazon. So that's the idea behind encouraging successful failure. So the question I want to leave you with on this principle is, what is your employee bonus program for the most successful failure? And there are a handful of examples about how companies are now thinking about, again, encouraging good failure, encouraging creativity, encouraging inventiveness in order to be able to create things that their customers actually want to use. Successful failure, principle number one. All right, let's go on and talk about principle number two, bet on big ideas. Now, you know, you saw before, you know, the earlier piece, I quoted a little bit about starting small, experimenting small, building on that. And then if it's a idea that we think could be big, we will bet on those big ideas. So he, he, again, I'm, I'm quoting now out of the 2014 letter where Bezos talks about what big ideas Amazon has created. And here's what he says, kind of setting this up. A dreamy business offering, don't you like those turn of phrases? A dreamy business offering has at least four characteristics. Those are customers love it. And that's almost always the primary characteristic that Amazon looks at. 
do customers resonate with it? Do they like it? Second, it can grow to very large size. Third, it has a strong return on capital, so investment and return. And four, it's durable in time, meaning it can last for a long time. When you find one of these, don't just, and I'm quoting again now, when you find one of these, don't just swipe right, get married. And so that's, again, interesting. And, and I, you know, I, I get, I get uh, uh, what, intrigued, I think, with how Bezos tells stories, right? Don't just swipe right, get married to that idea and bet big. Um, and it goes on to describe what he considers three of Amazon's big bets that they bet big on. So again, I'm quoting 2014 letter. After two decades of risk taking and teamwork and with generous helpings of good fortune all along the way, we are now happily wed to what I believe are three such life partners, Marketplace, Prime, and AWS, Amazon Web Services. Each of these offerings was a bold bet at first, and sensible people worried, often, exclamation mark, that they could not work. But at this point, it's become pretty clear how special they are and how lucky we are to have them. So let's talk about those big ideas. First, marketplace. Third-party sellers, and likely if you're following any news about Amazon, you hear a lot about third-party sellers. In fact, I won't I don't have the quote quite yet, but I just read an article literally, I think, yesterday that talked about Amazon Marketplace third-party sellers selling on Amazon's website, literally in direct competition with Amazon. The, the research report was that Amazon in 2020, last year, added 3,700, 3,700 new marketplace vendors to their platform every day. Now, that's an astounding number. Now think about that, though every one of those are small businesses of some size that are utilizing Amazon's resources, services, the relationship and trust they built with customers to come to amazon.com to be able to offer their products on that platform. Well, when they started it, I mean, think about that. Think about your business opening up your website to your competitors and allowing them to sell literally side-by-side -side products. That's a crazy idea. And Amazon did it. Started small, about 2001, and grew from there to today, over 50% of all sales on amazon.com for products go, go through third-party sellers. Crazy idea, but here again is what Bezos said. He said that if a third-party seller has, one, a product we don't carry, or two, a product we do carry but at a better price, then it's better for the customer. And if it's better for the customer, 
it will be better for Amazon and their share owners. Now think of that mindset, right? Now, let's be clear. This is not altruism. Amazon charges a fee to access their infrastructure. I believe it's 15% still of the sale goes to Amazon. So they're getting something out of it. But see, they built this massive logistics infrastructure for warehouse delivery that's almost unparalleled anywhere in the world that a third-party small business owner would never be able to build and afford on their own. They can tap into that infrastructure to get things to their customers. So that's marketplace. Big idea, questionable when it started. Prime is very similar. So whatever the... It, the statistics are currently a majority of people, certainly in the U.S. and now a growing percentage uh, in other countries, are members of Prime. I, I feel like it's almost irresponsible not to be a member of Prime, you know, which seems a bit crazy. But Prime started because one of the friction points in early website sales, you, if you were around then, you likely remember picking a product, going to a cart, getting ready to pay, and all of a sudden there was shipping cost that was added to your order, probably based on your zip code and how far they had to ship. So that was a friction point. Amazon experimented, right? We, we talked about experimenting with several ways to do that. They had super shipping uh, at one point that if you ordered more than $25 of product, your shipping would be free. So they kind of got a little bit of history and information about how people would respond. The senior leadership team at Amazon, when Bezos came up with this idea of free two-day shipping, pushed back significantly. We can't afford it. We're going to lose all the shipping revenue. We're, and they did, right, when they first did. They lost millions of dollars of shipping revenue. But again, Bezos said, if it's better for our customers, it'll be better for Amazon and our share owners. And what they found is that now, again, Big Bet took years to get it all worked out. But now people who have a prime membership typically spend two to three times as much on Amazon than those that don't. Uh, in fact, I got to tell you this story. So my wife, Karen, is a great Amazon customer. Um, and uh, it was just a few weeks ago, we were talking, I've, uh, I needed to to get some uh, oven cleaner for my oven. And uh, I thought I had some, we didn't. So we went online uh, and looked and I said, you know, I could probably just go to the store and pick some up. And her comment was, oh, let's just order it on Amazon. It's just easier. It'll be here in two days or tomorrow in our case, right? So again, that mindset shift of now ordering more and more, so prime. And then number three, big idea, Amazon Web Services. AWS, cloud computing, when nobody knew what cloud computing was. And so again, um, big story behind it, AWS was created to solve a problem at Amazon. It was created so that development teams in various parts of the organization wouldn't have to recreate computing resources, databases and web interfaces and right, I mean, hundreds of different things. 
and it grew from there. And all of us, I say all of a sudden, it probably wasn't that, but at a meeting, someone realized, you know what, if this solves a problem for us, there may be other developers out there that have the similar problems. And we've architected AWS so it's it works for us and in distributed teams. Why not just add outside third-party developers access into AWS? Brand new idea. Nobody knew you could do that. Amazon created the market for that. And then certainly Microsoft and Google and others kind of came in behind them once Amazon, did, uh, what's the right word, um, proved that there was a marketplace there and that people would pay for access to computing resources so they didn't have to buy servers and racks and all the stuff. And now that's commonplace. Um, and, and again, a quote out of the 2014 letter about, about Prime. 10 years ago, we launched Amazon Prime, originally designed as an all-you-can-eat free and fast shipping program. We were told repeatedly that it was a risky move, and in some ways it was. In its first year, we gave up many millions of dollars in shipping revenue, and there was no simple math to show that it would be worth it. Our decision to go ahead was built on the positive results we'd seen earlier, right? They tested um, free super saver shipping and an intuition that customers would quickly grasp that they were being offered the best deal in the history of shopping. In addition, analysts told us if we achieve scale, we would be able to significantly lower the cost of fast shipping. Bet on big ideas. Take a breath. Principle number three, practice dynamic invention and innovation. And again, we've talked a little bit about that in these other principles, but it really deserves its own which is why I put it in here. <laughs> what do I mean by that? Well, again, I'll quote Bezos in the 2015 letter. One area where I think we are especially distinctive is failure. Again, back to principle number one. I believe we are the best place in the world to fail, and we have plenty of practice. And failure and invention are inseparable twins. To invent, you have to experiment. And if you know in advance that it's going to work, it's not an experiment. So invention requires experimentation. And so um, let me talk about the Kindle. So the Kindle was announced in 2007 and actually the first um, inventory when Amazon announced the original Kindle was sold out in five and a half hours. So obviously it resonated, but let me again, give you an idea of how Bezos thinks. This is in his 2007 letter. With the Kindle, starting the quote, we started by setting the admittedly audacious goal of improving on the physical book. We did not choose that goal lightly. Anything that's persisted in roughly the same form and resisted change for 500 years is unlikely to be improved easily. At the beginning of our design process, we identified what we believe 
is the book's most important feature. It disappears. Let me pause there. Think about when you're reading a, a good book, right? Doesn't the book kind of just float away and, and your, your, your mind is in the world you're reading about, what, be it a business nonfiction book or a really good novel? And, and how many times have you read a really good novel and you're sad when it ends, right? Because the story, the book disappears and the story takes front stage. When you read a book, I'm quoting now, continuing the quote, you don't notice the paper and the ink and the glue and the stitching. All of that dissolves and what matters is the author's world. So with Kindle, electronic and what was unique about the Kindle is it used cellular data that you didn't have to pay for and the goal was to be able to download any book anytime within 60 seconds so you could be on your Kindle buy a book and have it available to read within 60 seconds that redefines a book I got a Kindle early why? I love to read, and I hate carrying books, especially when I travel, right? So reading on the plane, reading, you know, in hotel rooms, reading all those kinds of things, having and originally a, a few hundred books, now I, a thousand or two, I, I don't know how many books you could fit on there, available, my entire book library available to me to be able to read anytime I want. And then Amazon created new technology that allows me to sync the point that I've read on my Kindle and sync it into my phone Kindle app. So I can pick up exactly where I left off. It's called WhisperSync. Absolutely astounding technology. So dynamic is a very particular word I pick because it's it's not it's not static it's it's something that's going on all the time and every employee at amazon is responsible for coming up with new ideas and so i want to again read a little bit from the email that jeff bezos sent a few weeks ago to every employee when he announced his move from ceo of amazon to executive chairman of the Amazon board. Because I think, again, it illustrates this point. The and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit of this so I don't go too long. The journey began 27 years ago. Amazon was only an idea, and it had no name. The question I was asked most frequently at the time was, what is the internet? Blessedly, I haven't had to explain that in a long time. Today, we employ 1.3 million talented, dedicated people, serve hundreds of millions of customers and businesses, and are widely recognized as one of the most successful companies in the world. I think that's all true. How did that happen? Invention is what he said. Invention is the root of our success. We've done crazy things together. And remember, he's talking to employees and then made them normal. We pioneered customer reviews, one-click shopping, 
personalized recommendations, prime insanely fast shipping, just walk out shopping at the Amazon Go store, the Climate Pledge, Kindle, Alexa, Marketplace, Infrastructure Cloud Computing, Career Choice, and much more. If you get it right, a few years after a surprising invention, the new thing has become normal. People yawn. And that yawn is the greatest compliment an inventor can receive. And so I want you to think differently because there is so much noise out there right now about innovation. Now, I, I put innovation at the end of this principle, encourage dynamic invention. I wanted to leave it there, but I'm not, I wasn't convinced people would get the connection. So here is, in my world, the connection, the correct process for how to do something new. Experimentation leads to invention, which allows further innovation. There are so many people talking about innovation. Companies have chief innovation officers. I think they need chief invention officers. And I won't go into this. I'll go into this more later in a, a subsequent show. But Amazon is accused of disrupting industries. I don't believe Amazon ever has a goal of disrupting an industry. But they do disrupt industries. They do it by invention. See, disruption means doing something new. So invention, natural consequences disruption, yes. But it is not a goal, at least for Amazon. And so many companies, new ones especially now, startups, you know, are said to disrupt this industry or disrupt that industry, when in fact, if they're inventing something new, that's probably true. But if they're finding a little niche, I, I'm not sure disruption is the, the right word there. So dynamic invention and innovation are key. This cycle test is really important. And I, I, I want you to get this idea that it's not just for new startups. If you've been around for 10 or 20 years, you need to be thinking about how you implement these principles in the test cycle within your own organization. Far too often, successful companies actually sit back and rely on that success instead of looking at how they can invent new things going forward. What's that next great product or service you're going to invent that's going to allow you to continue to be successful? So that's all I've got for you today. Test cycle, one of four, test, build, accelerate, and scale. Our next show, we're going to dive in like we did on this one into the build cycle and the principles that are included in that one. So that'll be about another month or so. Uh, we'll have dates uh, uh, sent out to you. Uh, so uh, love to have you join us if you can. Uh, if you've got any questions or comments, feel free to leave those. I'll try and respond to those in some form. Uh, and I wanna thank you for spending a little bit of your uh, day with me talking about 
the Bezos letters, 14 principles to grow your business like Amazon. And if you haven't read the book, I have to put a plug in. If you haven't read the book, it's obviously available on Amazon or at your favorite bookseller. And if you do get the book, be sure to go to thebezosletters.com because there's some additional, there's a workbook and some additional things there that I created to help you not just read the book and hear the principles, but apply them in your own business. So thanks very much. I appreciate your time today.